0: We've been dialoguing, uh, looking for Mark 4, um, which is the whole parable of the sower and the seed. And in my discussion with this particular person, uh, it was like, well, go away and start meditating on some things. And they came back and they sent this two-page document to me with just the fullness of some of the things that God's been speaking to them about and some of the things they're believing for. Um, and as I was reading it, I was like, man, this is just feeding me. And I just felt I just had to, like, um, share it with everyone. So I would really encourage you, if you haven't yet read it, to read it. I'm getting quite a lot of good feedback from it already. Just this gold within it. But one of the things that this person says is this, is the Christ in us bigger than the circumstances or the situations that we face, which is outside of us? Is the Christ in us, the God that we actually know, bigger than the circumstances or the situations that are on the external. And this is what, I guess, my whole messages have been about, And I will build my church. I will build a people, and these people overcome the things that are on the outside of them. We were praying this morning, these people overcome uh, the sting of death. They overcome the things that come, whether it's uh, whatever those things are, job losses, loss of relationship, uh, loss of friends through death. Uh, they, there There is something within them, Christ within them, the literal reality of God within a person that is bigger than the external things. And so as I read that, I was challenged by that myself. And It is fully possible. Everyone say fully possible. Fully, fully, fully possible (laughs) to have Christ in us to such a measure that we are able to live out a life of righteousness here on the earth. You say, what is a life of righteousness? It's a life that reflects His in thought, in speech, in hearing of the Spirit, seeing things of the Spirit, but more importantly, being able to demonstrate the reality of Christ. That's Christianity. That He came not only to free us from a place called hell, awesome as message as that is, it's the start. We've made it the whole message, but it's the start. And He's come to set us apart unto Himself and to build in us Himself that we are then able to demonstrate Him. It's Him in us coming through us is demonstrating His wisdom to the earth. I will build these people and these people will respond like that. And He's been doing that since the start of time question and the challenge for myself is one, do I even realize that's what he came to do? And two, am I seeking that reality with everything I have? Because it says if you would seek me with all your heart, you will find all of me, the reality of me. Not just the quarter and eighth, but all. And that all can be in us. I'm going to look at that today. The fullness of God can be in us operating through us. So then have a guess who gets to experience that life. Us. Would that be a phenomenal, abundant life? I think so. Do we realize it's fully possible, fully, fully, fully possible for you and I to experience that, not in heaven or not in the future, not in new heaven, new earth, now heaven now. That's what he came to do. Repent, because my kingdom has come. A spiritual transformation of my people is now. And then I'm physically returning to establish my physical dominion on the earth. It's called the kingdom of God message, which Paul preached, Jesus preached, and we have been speaking about for the last five years here and just continuing to hopefully come into it more and more. My my hope is that with what we are hearing, we are going after. Discerning whether it's truth or not to the best that we can and I can bring it because I'm human and I, I have my failings and I'm trying to hear Him to the best I can and deliver what he once said not what I once said but my hope and my prayer is that as his people as his children that we are going after that we are seeking that's an active thing isn't it see this morning I was just talking to Debbie and it said that we are to have our eyes fixed fixed on the author and the perfecter of our faith And before that, it says, stop getting entangled up in sin. Really, you could say, stop being entangled with self, because self will lead you into sin. Even if it doesn't lead you into sin, it will lead you into apathy. It will lead you into being consumed with you, which means your eyes now have shifted off the author and perfecter of our faith, and now they're on you and your circumstance and your situations and really what you want. Yeah, that must have been good. (laughs) That got the approval from (laughs) Someone likes that, someone else hates that. (laughs) But see, if our eyes are on ourselves, then our lives will reflect self, won't they? We'll be a product of where we are. But if our eyes are fixed firmly, I love that, fixed. It's not on, off, on, off. It's fixed, permanently logged on. When Peter's eyes were permanently fixed on Christ, the man walked on water. When the natural came and then got his attention and he turned his eyes off Christ and looked to the sky when it cracked, he sank. If our eyes aren't on Him, we will sink. If our eyes are on Him, we will walk on water. And we will come into the fullness of the life in us. In us. Not around us. Not external of us, but actually in us. And what I love about my Father, my Heavenly Father, is that He gives me Himself, called His Spirit, and there is power that is contained in the Spirit to bring me into what I've just said. See, we can't get there on our own. I cannot live that life. I can't find that life in me. I hope you're hearing that. We try. We try and build the church without Him. We try and build it our own way. And what you get when you do that is disunity, fracture, unhealthy people who still stay focused on themselves. But when we build it His way, you get His life. And the church needs to wake up. It really needs to wake up. Leadership needs to wake up and be broken to start allowing Him to actually build His church His way. And He gives us His power through His Spirit that this power will propel you forward and into His reality to be able to see and hear and think and then act. The Bible says that Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit and faith And we've said this before, and we'll continue to say it again. And the man was able, through the empowering of the Spirit, to be able to stand there while he's being stoned to death, obviously maybe falling to his knees, and utter the words that Christ uttered. So Paul said this. I want to know the power of the resurrection. I want to know it. That word, gnosko, Greek word meaning intimate. I don't want to know about it. I want to know it. I want to experience it. I have to a measure. I want to experience it more. The guy was greedy. Who agree with me? The guy had a massive revelation. Of that, and he still wanted more. Probably why we're not experiencing it now, he got all of it. <laughs> see, see this, 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 this appetite in the kingdom? You want more, you don't want less. You taste and see, you want more. And he says, I want more. I want to know the power of the resurrection. Because there was a genuine power that was achieved through the life of Christ when he died and rose again. And as we've talked about, there's a step before that where a decision needed to be made to even go to the cross, which defined a posture of humility, of a broken, humbled, in the spirit I'm talking about, posture of heart, which was Christ to do the Father's will, not his own. So you have this beautiful picture of this humble heart in the garden submitting to his Father who then goes to the cross where the Bible says that's where the power is actually found. So let the Word of God come and do its work and there will be power be formed in you. And then he rises again in this power and the life that draws him from the dead to back to life. Paul says, I want to know that and I want to know that in me. I want to live with that power, not on a Sunday, not on a day when the sun's out and it's all nice and I'm feeling good or I'm going on holiday, but every day of the week, every second, and I'm hungry for more. I want more and more and more of it. Why? Because I know it continues to set me apart And he said, I'm going towards a first resurrection of the dead, which those people are coming back to reign with Christ on the earth. That's what I'm after, and that's what I'm going for. And I know for me to achieve that, because he says I haven't achieved it, I'm going to have to know him more. I'm going to have to know the power of his resurrection. And the one we all love, I'm going to have to have fellowship with his sufferings four, I like one and two, I'm not sure about three. But the only way you can actually operate in three is if you have one and two. There's no way you and I can have fellowship with his sufferings if we don't know him and we don't know his power. Because everything you and I runs from suffering. We even teach it there's no sufferings today. Run away from the sufferings. It doesn't exist. Well, there are true sufferings And sure, there are things like God doesn't give you cancer. Absolutely, that is just stupidity. He may allow it, because He allows all things, but He doesn't give it. And so we are to embrace all of the message if we want to experience all of the life. Not pick and choose the bits we like and throw the rest out. I was good at doing that. I like this. I like this. No, I don't think I'll, I think I'll part that and we'll come back to that at a later date. (laughs) You know, that date never arrives, does it? So here we see this man called Paul who he said, imitate me as I imitate the Father. He said, I want to know the power of this resurrection. When the Father sees a hungry, humble, contrite, and emptied vessel, he pours out more of himself into this vessel, and we are then to live our lives from this position. Just come with me to Colossians 1, 28. Colossians 1, 28, 29. Here's a man, he experienced this reality, as I'm saying, experienced it more. And then he makes this awesome statement. He says this in verse 28, Colossians 1, 28. We proclaim him, God, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. 29. For this purpose also I labor, striving according to His power which mightily works within me. I didn't think you were supposed to strive as followers of Christ. Thank you, Sandra. Not in the flesh. Not in your own strength. Absolutely, that leads you to uh, frustration, heartache, brokenness, down plenty of dead ends, and you end up going, this whole thing doesn't work. You're right, it doesn't work when you're trying to do it in your strength because that's called the flesh. We try and understand the truth through the flesh. That's why the truth never living and we don't experience the transformational power because we, instead of being spirit and truth, we are flesh and truth. We have intellectual knowledge that we can never demonstrate or is not demonstrated in us, which means ultimately it can just puff you up but the life of Christ is not birthed in you, so you never get to experience the transformation. Hence, you go, this thing's a whole lot of rubbish. No, it's just that your approach has been the wrong way round. So Paul's saying, I strive in the power that's within me to accomplish the purposes of God. Fantastic. That power is like getting a thousand volts plugged into you. Yeah. (laughs) And you're operating like the super bunny. Within. As he pours truth, as he baptizes himself into a person... So as His Spirit and truth is filled more and more, finds an empty vessel that's humble, that's hungry, that's contrite, and He fills that vessel with the truth, with Himself, then part of that is the power of God because it's Him. It's poured in from within out. You actually start living now, not in your strength, not in your ability to understand but in His life in you coming out. What that does, it catapults you, it propels you into His reality. For some crazy reason, you start thinking like Him. You start seeing the truth as it is. You start hearing what others can't hear, but you're hearing of the Spirit. Have you got ears to hear and understand? Why are you still asking me about bread or lunch when I'm talking about the leaven the Pharisees teaching? Is your heart still hard? Have you still not had any insight into the miracle I did? I've given you myself the mystery to understand the kingdom which is inside of you. Do you still not understand? Are you still approaching it the wrong way round? And I give you my power, my spirit, my life, and I pour it out into my people so then they're able to come into my reality. The renewing of the mind is not from just reading the book and going, oh, I just had my mind renewed. No, that's flesh and truth. The revealing of the mind, the renewing of the mind, is when the Holy Spirit starts to reveal in you himself the truth, the living Christ, the living Word. What did I say my major point was, first, second week in, was that Jesus built his church on the Father, revealing, unveiling the Son in us. Not to us, in us. And flesh and blood does not, flesh and blood did not bring you this reality, meaning other people, books, other knowledge. My Father had to reveal it, and he has to reveal it in. And Paul is saying here, this power works mightily within me. So then I'm able, capable to live this life out. To do and accomplish what I've been called to do. Anyone up for that? I said this before, life is hard because we're not living in the reality that he called us to live in. Because it's a reality in the spirit. And a lot of us live our lives in the flesh. And it's time to come into the things of the spirit but you've got to position yourself. You've got to posture yourself. You've got to seek. You've got to, Mike brought this beautiful word two weeks ago about repositioning. And he talked about being at a table in an office and sort of turning his head to see a presentation that was happening. And he came to me later and said, what, I, what I was on me and I never got to say was actually what I should have said was, you should need to get up from the position, leave the, the seat you're in and reposition in another seat. That's what Samuel had to do when God was calling to him and he couldn't hear. Well, he could hear, but he didn't recognize it was the Father. He has to reposition himself. And some of us today need to reposition ourselves to come into a reality that I'm speaking. We need to turn aside and ask the question, why the bush isn't burning? And go, that's not logical. What he's saying is not logic, it's not my, necessarily my reality. And that bush that's burning is not logical. And instead of walking going, oh well, who cares? I'm going to ask the question and just walk out the door. We're supposed to come back, slap it in reverse and go, why isn't this bush burning? And guess what? God's in the bush and then he spoke to Moses. And until he speaks to the bush or asks the question, God doesn't speak to him. So some of us today need to start asking questions of the Father. Big questions. What on earth is this power thing? What on earth is this reality? Because it's for us. But he looks and says who's actually drawing near to me so I can draw near to them? He, he looks and he's Genuinely interested in our love towards him? He really is. He's been looking from the day of creation. Out of everyone that I've birthed, who actually does love me? That's a tough question, eh? And so he says, you know what? I get the fact that they're separated from me. I saw that before it ever was. And so I send my boy, I send my son to reconcile them back to myself and then I pour out my spirit upon them so everyone is fully able then to seek me with all their heart, soul, and mind and strength. And the disciples were the benefactors of receiving something in a room that literally moved and propelled them from one reality into another. And it's for all of us, for all of us that are here. So how does Jesus build his church? Through the power of the Holy Spirit operating in us. Come with me to Ephesians 3. And this is what I never got to last week. But I want to show you, or hopefully be able to just talk us through a process here. Where once again, it's that awesome man, Paul. Why is it that Paul wrote 13 or possibly 14 books, do you think? Was it just fluke? Was he the, was he the best one that writing it at the time? Or was the man living in a reality, a God reality, a kingdom reality, and God said, right, you are going to take all that I've revealed in you and you're going to put it into this thing called the Bible. So it's not just theoretical stuff. This is a living reality that he writes down. See, we tend to just treat it sometimes as a nice intellectual knowledge that gets stored up in our head, and we're satisfied with that. Satisfied that I can tell you the four names for the Greek from love. Let me tell you about it. Eros and agape or agapeho and I can get really excited by those or I can tell you about the word no and it's this intimate knowledge and all these things. But all it ever does is sit in my head. What it never does is I never demonstrate love. See, it's not in me so I don't actually demonstrate what this love actually looks like, but I'm called to. In fact, it's a commandment that I do. So once again, I've got to wrestle with the fact that there is a commandment placed in here that I'm supposed to be living out. And it's based on everything he's given me that I'm able to live it out, not see myself falling short of it. Can you hear that? So once again, everything's attainable in him because he's given us himself to attain it. This is why this man's picked to write 13, possibly to say 14 books, living truth. And he says this in verses 14, for this reason, Ephesians three fourteen, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power. Everyone say strengthened with power. Through his Spirit in the inner man so that, I love those words. So here we go, he's painting a picture, so that, so that what, Paul? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ to know it, gnosko, to know it intimately, okay, which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all. Everyone say all. All the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power, and the power is where? Within us. So let's break this down bit by bit. Verse 14. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on its earth derives its name, that He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in the inner man. So here he is, a man who is before the throne praying. 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 What is the greatest thing the church could be doing right now? Praying. How how do we pray? If If we were to look at our lives, are we people of prayer? Or are we people of everything but prayer? Trying to do it our way. What you tend to find, the people that aren't praying, they're people that are trying to do it their own way. Trust me, here's one of them right here. I'm one of them. I think this is how we do it. I think we strategize to do this thing. He's going, Greg, just come over here and just spend some time with me. Come over here and spend, no, no, I've got it sorted. I I know. I've read the book. I know it, okay? This is how you do it. I've got the ticket. But this is heavy. It's okay because I'm doing it for the Lord. I'll do it for you, Lord. It's heavy. It's okay. No, it's not supposed to be heavy, Greg. Shut up. Right Over here. Prayer, 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 and more prayer will unlock everything in your life. The seeking, the seeking, the seeking, the prayer, the prayer. Let's be people of prayer. Mountain Movers is coming up. Why don't we all turn up? Is that too much to ask? If we were to count the numbers, it is. If we were to take the numbers that turn up to Mountain Movers, it is too much to ask. Because we probably have about this much of the room turn up to the most important thing we could all be doing together as a body going to be honest. going to get real. Yeah? So next mountain moves is coming. Let's all turn up. Let's come to pray. And maybe all the things that we're trying to make happen in our lives, trying to balance it all with kids and family and checkbook and banking and sport and all the things that we do, may just sort of happen. Ooh, that'd be a first, wouldn't it, eh? I'm preaching to me. So here's this man. He's praying. Why? Because he's received something and he knows the only way it can be transitioned into the church is through God moving and acting and birthing it. He says it's the only way. Why? Because he knows he's gone through the same process. He knows he didn't find it. He knows he didn't figure it out and look under the tree and there it was. It had to be revealed in him. And what that does, when you start realizing this more and more, that it's got to be revealed in, it creates a heart of prayer because it's the only way, the only way it can happen. I had to learn that the hard way. Meeting after, meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting after meeting. It's going to happen, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And all that ends up happening is you get more and more tired. You say, Green, aren't you sick and tired of running around trying to motivate and mobilize and build the church? Yes, Lord. Then how about come and have a look over here and start doing it my way? Yes, Lord hey, this works, (laughs) and I'm in freedom, and I'm in the the truth that you said I'd be free from, and I'm in it now, and the life is more and more and more, and it's chaos in the church, but anyway, (laughs) more and more life. He says, yeah, it should be, because everyone's getting turned upside down and having everything they thought just messed up and rearranged, and I'm going to dismantle it all, and I'm going to put it back together. And I'm going to see if there's any faith in the people to actually see that's going to happen or not. We're going to see who really knows me and who's been building on everything but me, Greg. I'm going, man, that's scary. And if you've been here for four and a half years, you'll know what I'm talking about. Because we've had so many prophetic words into this house that God is going to dismantle, not the house, but you and I. And then he's going to put us back together again. Why? So we can actually start living in and being able to live the life of a follower of Christ. Whew. And Paul says, I've got to be found on my knees in prayer, praying for this reality for the whole church. Not just the Ephesians, but those that would read this book after and after and after and after, which is you and I. So he says this, and he says that there would be this power that we strengthen through his spirit in the inner man, so that what? Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That Christ would dwell, that word dwell, settle, inhabit, always be present. That Christ would dwell in your hearts, our hearts, through faith. Now, as a follower, I hope that that was an issue that was, or that that would be settled, that, that we would have the reality of Christ dwelling in our hearts through faith. That it wouldn't be something that we, we doubt. It wouldn't be something that we go, well, today I'm not feeling too good, so I'm not sure if he is there, but the other day I'm feeling up for it, so I feel like he is. No, that there would be an assurance, there would be an a conviction, there would be a knowing of 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 a knowing in your knower that he's in your heart and that He dwells there through faith. Faith is the ability to see things that aren't seen. It's the assurance of the things that you're hoping for because we've seen them in the Spirit, not the physical, the Spirit. Hence, we come right back to the start of this power being poured into us so then we're able to see the things of the Spirit. We're loosened from the anchor of the flesh of self and propelled into things of the Spirit. So then we can see in the Spirit. And faith is created in our hearts because of the conviction of what we've seen in the Spirit. Abraham had a conviction of seeing a city being built into the future and created faith in him, which was a conviction, which means he then moved on the earth differently to before that reality. That's what true faith is. It's not just I. Oh, I have a belief that if Mike had a broken ankle today, we lay hands and got faith, it would heal. It's the ability to see, and then to receive what's seen creates a living conviction, living truth. Woohoo! Man, this thing is setting me free. I've come alive. Not just oh yeah, oh, no, Jesus in my heart. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, Jesus in my heart. Jesus just came into my heart and it's a conviction. And man, I've got to tell you about him. Why? Because I've received something that's powerful and it's living and it's changing me. So I'm praying on my knees that the power of God would come mightily within the church. Why? So there'd be a conviction of Christ in the hearts of the church which would stir the church and move the church towards the reality in which I died for. To live a life worthy of the Christ. Woo, man, this is unbelievable what we've been invited to. Unbelievable. The honor and the privilege that he bestows on fallen people like you and I that can't really get over our own big toe. It's phenomenal. much <laughs> must you want? My love covers you. your fallen state. My grace embodies it. Come on, get over you, please. Get your eyes fixed on the prize. And guess what? You'll get more and your life will start to change. I can't believe what I'm invited to partake of. It's so unbelievable, it can be unbelievable. (laughs) Does that make sense? This is a living reality. This isn't, oh, I believe in, but I believe This I have received a living conviction which has changed me to a measure. And this living conviction bursts the reality of Christ dwelling in my heart. This is what the power through the Spirit does. It brings the truth alive. It changes us. What was once outside of us is now inside of us. then it says this. It says, um, verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in, in our hearts through faith, and that you being rooted and grounded in love. Okay? So this power, we receive it by faith. It comes, it's a living reality because Christ has revealed it in us, which means we are then we have Christ in established in our hearts, we've been rooted and grounded in love. What are we rooted and grounded in? Is it literally in Him? So as a branch, fruit is being produced through us. We don't produce fruit. The fruit is produced through the church. They are subtle but massively different. Okay, Think about this. Think about the tree. Where does the tree get its life from? Its root system. If the root system isn't established, the fruit, sorry, the tree doesn't produce fruit. Does it? So we are to be rooted and grounded in the reality of love. The reality of love. The revealed position of love. The truth, what Jesus came to bring. Not a counterfeit version of a head knowledge version. But a living, spiritual, transactional reality, and it's established where in our heart. I'm rooted and grounded in love. Think about this. So the the love travels up the vine, which is love. Because the vine is who? Jesus. Who's the vine dresser? The Father. Who are the branches? We are. So love travels up the vine. Here's the branch. The branch is connected. It, what abides in the vine? Because the power that's coming from the root, the roots is in everything. Shum, shum, and guess what happens? What's produced? The fruit of what? The Spirit. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Number one. Love. What's number two? Peace or joy. List them out. What is that a fruit of? Christ in you. Because that's Christ. He is the Spirit. He is love. Where does it start? In the root system. The reality of the root system coming up the tree. And so the branch just stands there like a good branch, completely, by the way, in rest. Going back to our strength thing, what strength are you trying to do? And completely and utterly in rest. It just stands there like a beautiful branch. Oh, there's love. Boop. There's joy. Boop. There's peace. Pop, 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 pop. Woo! How does that happen? I haven't got a clue, but I'm standing here. Big juicy apples and oranges and bananas, whatever you fancy. And it's going, oh, I'm so at rest. I don't feel like I'm working at all. Guess what? You're not. You're a branch that's connected to the vine. And through the vine comes through the root system is love. That's him. <laughs> Sometimes my mouth moves, I'm going, where does this all come from, man? <laughs> I can hear it and I'm going, this is pretty good stuff. I know it comes from me. See, meditate on his word. Meditate on his word. He'll show you stuff and you, man, you just, it's an honor to be a, a mouthpiece for it and don't take the glory for it, though. <laughs> That's the problem. We, we try it, don't we? There's this reality. So we're so entangled and he's just in us and we're in him. It says this. So then we're able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth now, I'm just going to throw something out here, a little bit of creative license. Okay. When I was reading this some time ago, I, uh, I used to have an NIV, and, and um, that's cool. And God just led me to go and start looking at the NASB. Um, and I started reading this, and as you do, I went to fill in the next bit. So I went to read this, I went to go like this. I went, uh, that we uh, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, the length, and the height and the depth of the love of God. Okay. But the NASB and the King James doesn't actually say that. It stops and gives you a comma. And then it says, and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. So I went, huh? I said, start, speaking to me, start speaking. And just this little voice, I, I don't know whether it was me or him. It just said, go have a look at, um, across on the other page. And I went down looked at, uh, under 18, where it's written, go look at verse 8. It says, note, and it says this, to me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. So this is what I came up with. I mean, it's the breadth and length and height and depth to know the unfathomable riches of Christ and to know the love of God. Just adds another dimension to this whole passage of this is true. I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying this is biblical, okay? I do think it fits in the bigger context of everything. But what on earth are the unfathomable riches of Christ? So once again, Paul is praying that this power is going to work in the church, in the church, which is going to create, number one, Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. We're able to comprehend now the unfathomable riches that are found in Christ really here's, I won't go into it today but here's some other scriptures but write down Ephesians one sixteen to 20 Ephesians one sixteen to 20 1 Corinthians 2 9 to 10 and Colossians 2 1 to 4 That'll paint a bigger picture of what is contained within Christ. Colossians says that all treasures and wisdom are hidden in Christ. Does that mean that God has concealed things that are found within his Son? Yes. Can I know them? Yes. Are they concealed from me? No. Are they concealed for me? Yes. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has entered the heart of man. The things that God has in store for all those who love him is revealed through the Spirit, but they've been revealed to us, he says. And as someone who's re- they've been revealed to, I then write them down in a book for everyone to be able to see in the Spirit. That's 1 Corinthians 2, 9-10. In Ephesians 1 he says, I pray that the eyes of your hearts would be enlightened to the knowledge of Christ, to the riches that are found in the inheritance towards the saints. But he's praying that the church would be empowered mightily from within, which would propel her into sight and ability to see and hear what the Spirit says to the church. Not what the flesh says, but what the Spirit says. Because of all treasure and wisdom is contained within the revelation of the Son, who wants to know more? How many people know that revelation is going to change you and I? We're going to look at that next week, what this actually does, what a life of righteousness looks like. The third thing, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled up to the fullness of God. So once again, this power, why? To know, gnosco again, the intimate love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled up to all the fullness. May be able, may be able to, so that Christ May be able to comprehend. I love this. So you mean filled up, that you may be filled up to the fullness. Man, the fullness. Colossians 2, 9. The fullness of God lived in Christ. And where does Christ live? In you and I. The fullness of Christ filling up the new temple. Who is who? You and I, we carriers of the fullness of God that then can be demonstrated on the earth. So you might say to me today, and I say to me today, Greg, that's a pretty big hairy goal. That's out there, man. Because <laughs> I know my reality and I'm still struggling with ABC. And you're telling me that I can have the fullness of God operating in me? Amen. Yes. It may be our whole lives that we walk towards and we get that much of it, but we got that much more than what we had before we started. And it's fully possible, and we can't let our flesh, our mindset, our carnal mind stop us from the reality that he calls us into. That's what the truth is. This whole book is prophetic. Every song we sing is prophetic. It's not a reality, is it? It's called to be a reality, but we sing songs that aren't a reality. This is my desire to give you all my life. It's prophetic. you want a prophetic word, read the book. (laughs) The whole thing really is a future moving forward, and we see it and we go, that's the finish line? That's what I'm called to run after? Is this the race that Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27? That he runs a race and he runs like an athlete? And he's in training? Yeah. He sees the future. And he believes the future by faith. What's faith? A living conviction of the future. Not just oh yeah, heard about the bright of Christ. Yeah, I heard about Millennium. Who are you there? Nothing. You haven't received anything. No, to receive living revelation of the bride of Christ will alter the way you live today to know that you've been called to reign in the millennium with Christ as His bride will alter you today. It has to. It's called truth. And so it's like, Lord, show me in the Spirit the finish line. So then as it comes and it comes in power and it fills me in my spirit, what I'm dabbling with over here, I get loosened from you hear what I'm saying? This thing's actually bondage. Okay, The things that we think are maybe hit, they can be bondage. They're bounding us up, holding us back. I've said this heaps of times. Everything but from Him that I'm holding on to can be bondage. And it, you get loosened. Why? Because we've seen something in the future, in the Spirit. Because It's just written in a book, in the Spirit. And all of a sudden now you start moving towards a reality. You start walking in it and it's easy. Why? Because the power in is starting to draw you towards something. You want me to pray? I start praying. You want me to get into your word. I get into your word. You want me to have a heart for the lost? I've got it. I don't know how it happened. Didn't have it before. But it's now in me. I've got a passion to lay my life down. I see losing life. But that's a beautiful, what a beautiful passage. Of course I'm going to lose my life. I find my life. Why wouldn't you? See? Everything starts to shift. Your language, your thinking, your heartbeat, your posture, humility. Why? Because the power of the Spirit has come and He's revealed Himself in and it's easy and light. But it's of the Spirit. It's not of the flesh. If you try and attain this through the flesh, you just go round and round and round. Guys, that's why I will not give anyone here how-tos. Because it's all of the flesh. I can't give Jaden the reality in which I carry. I can't give him how to get this. This is my how-to. Seek him with all your heart. Oh, that's just that's cheesy Christianity. No, it's not. It's the truth. Die to yourself, let go of everything, and seek him with all your heart. There's your how-to. No, no, you've got to have the six steps to how-to. No, no, because I'm going to teach it in the flesh and you'll never find the how-to because it's not found in human knowledge or wisdom. It's found in the spirit. How he leads you will be completely different to how he leads me, probably. The things that you have to let go of are completely different to the things I need to let go of. But you know, I guarantee you what? We'll end up at the same position. How did you get here? Man, it was like this, 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 this. How did you get here? This, this, this. They don't even correlate There may be some things similar, but it's of the Spirit. And we need to learn this more and more and more. Why? So we can be filled with the fullness of God. The last thing is we will see God for who He truly is and live accordingly. Just come down to verse 20. This is if you, if you if you track this from fourteen, it's a it's a precept upon precept. Remember when Curtis was saying he said everything builds upon itself. Well, this is what's happening here. See, Paul's praying that this power that the church will be strengthened with the power through His Spirit in the in a man, okay? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Number one, that you'll be able to comprehend what is the unfathomable riches of the saints. Number two. Number three, so you'll have this love that surpasses knowledge, okay, and then that you'll be able to ask or think of God. You'll see God in the fullness and a greater fullness of who He is, which means your life will alter and shift. Now to Him, God, who is able to do far more, okay? God is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power of that works within us. God is the God. He he, he is supernaturally huge and limitless, isn't He? Okay? So He's completely able to do anything, but then it says that according to the way we think, He then aligns Himself to us. So what? According to the power that is at work within us, it'll change the way we think, it'll change the way we ask, and all of a sudden you have this God who is incredibly massive turning up on your doorstep, and you start seeing things that you're asking for and thinking more, because the power in you has altered you, it's shifted you, it's propelled you from one reality into another. Lady, you don't know who's in front of you today. If you did know, you would ask, and the gift that I am, I would give you a wellspring of water. But because you don't know who I am, you continue to come with your bucket looking for the natural. John 4. You worship someone you don't actually know. And if you did know me, you would ask in an alignment to who I am. Why? Why? Because i poured myself into you and the power into you to such a measure, it realigns you and you see me for who I am, not who you think I am. And it will change the way you think. It's beautiful. And it's all of him and none of me. My role is to submit to it and believe it's possible. What you ask for would alter. You keep asking for these little things. Now, hear my heart. I'm talking about the motive of your heart, kingdom prayer. But you keep asking really for crumbs. You keep asking for the crumbs. Your life is really, compared to what is on offer, what I have for you as a son, you're really living like a slave. And you have this poverty mindset that we just get by as followers. We just get by, we just get by, we just just scraped it this week, Mike gee, the finances are down. We just scraped it. We better make sure, we better lock down the hatches. We better lock it all up. We better make sure because it's not that great. No. No, we have a big God and we believe for big things and we preach by faith to see Him move. When we get to the end of ourselves, it's when we see Him move. But when we get to the end of ourselves, so He says this, I've given you my power to unlock you from you to be able to see me for who I am. For your life to be altered. Now, one by one, imagine this. You start altering everyone that's here, one by one. Now you've got a body that turns up and starts acting like a body. Now you've got a heartbeat. And once again, I'm not. When I say that, when I'm trying to say, that, I'm just trying to paint a picture, the ultimate picture for us all to be in. Yeah. Oneness in spirit walks through that door. Not oneness in flesh, not conformity, but a oneness in spirit because the Spirit of God has been poured into us to a measure that takes us from ourselves and all our worries and all our concerns and just bursts in us himself. Imagine coming together like that as a body like this. And what our actual praise and exaltation. for David today was trying to lead us, trying to lift us because of the heaviness that was in the place. Because we come with us. Worried about us. I get that. God said you're going to worry about you, but guess what? The antidote for that is seek first me. It's not seek first you and your ability to overcome you. It's get your eyes off you and seek first me. And yeah, there's going to be a wrestle. And yeah, it's going to feel like, and yes, you're going to have to have faith. And it's going to feel like I'm ripping the heart out of you. And there's nothing about you that wants to go there. But guess what? It's where you find life. Now, I've given you my power. 1 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. I've given you my grace. It's sufficient for you to walk with me. Into the new. I live for the day. I'm laying, Danny and I are laying our lives down to be a part of an expression of God on the earth. And I've seen it. I've seen men and women wearing white cloaks and white suits. And it's not that the guys—sorry, guys—it's not that the guys are wearing the suits and the women are in the cloaks. I don't know. I've just seen heads and legs, but the, these people are wearing white, and they are in suits and they're in gowns. He showed it to me about seven months ago. It's beautiful. I can see it now. It's his bride. I believe it's his bride. And the bride is making herself ready. She's making herself ready. She's preparing like a bride does. He's like, I give you my power so you can get ready. You can't get ready without it. That's how lovely he is. He's that lovely think He gives us everything we need to prepare. So i just encourage you with what you're hearing to be seeking with all your heart. Because there is a reality for the church, for you and I, to be experiencing today. Not tomorrow, today. Amen.